You be seated. I didn't get to see the man that did that singing. It was a real good job. Oh, thank you. My favorite song. I guess you know the author, Mr. Cliburns. Who's Cliburns? Yes, sir. It's wonderful. How many enjoyed that song? Oh, that was just... That's next to only believe. That was a good one. And I was talking to some friends of mine just as I come up, Mr. and Mrs. Doble. I was asking about the little baby. Ten years ago when I was here, the Lord gave me a vision, seen her holding a boy baby in her arms. And uh, she taken sick. And years passed. But the boy baby's here now. <laughs> and so she was back there. We, I met them just behind the stage. And my little boy, Joseph, walks around to meet her just now. <laughs> And they were having a little time of fellowship. <laughs> and Brother Bosworth, the old gentleman, you know him, he used to, he's got a great sense of humor. He says, Brother Branham, you know what fellowship is? I said, well, I think so. He said, it's two fellows in one ship. <laughs> Makes the fellowship. <laughs> That's about right. It's Baptist closed communion. <laughs> and so there was been some complaints about the speaking not uh, vibrating or something other back but uh, they said tonight it had cleared up does it sound alright better back there tonight can you hear better back in the back can raise up your hands you can hear alright that's fine fine that's good the tomorrow afternoon there's a tonight pardon me tonight we have made a promise that's the reason I could come in without coming under the anointing and so forth and and talk with you a little while. We have given Friday night now. The best of our calculation of the ministers here counting has been about between seven and eight hundred accepted Jesus Christ as Savior since we've been in the city. And so to that we're very happy. What we've been trying to do is to have faith, to find favor with God. And then if we can put first things first, then we think God will give us favor now for the next two or three nights for great healing services. We believe that he will do it. Of course, we're still asking sinners to come to Christ. And so the Mr. Mercer here, one of my associates, the tape recording, him and Mr. Gold, tells me that the books are out, but they will take the orders if you want them, and they'll be sent to you. And we didn't bring but just a few of them, and we had to distribute them between Tacoma and here. So they will take the orders on through, but they, I don't think you have any books. Is that right, Leo? Don't have no books, but you still have tapes and a few of the pictures left. Is that right? Just a few of the pictures left. Now, I do not, as I said in the beginning of the meetings, I do not, I'm not a book salesman. I buy those books from Mr. Lindsay. I get 40 cents less. Well, I, time you bring them across the country and the lossage and then we don't in Canada we never put a price on anything we just set it out there I know what it's supposed what it cost us but if the people wants it can't afford it by paying for it take it anyhow we give it to you so therefore we in these pictures that belongs to the Duddy, Douglas Studios in Houston, Texas and it's copyrighted remember the American Photographer Association and one hangs in the religious hall in Washington D.C. And under it is written, the only supernatural being that was ever scientifically proven to be taken. The only supernatural being that was ever scientifically proven. And so they're just something, a little 
little tokens of the meeting. I don't, I don't know what they, what they even pay for them when they get them. But ever what it is, that's what you get it for. And so they're not us that goes right straight back to the studios, you see. So we, we don't, uh, they're copyrighted. And just bring them along and we don't sell books or do things. We're not here. We don't want your, we say write to us. We don't mean to get your address so we can ask you to support something. We don't have nothing to support. The only thing you can support me by is your prayers. That's all. I don't have any radio program, no television programs. Just have a little office there. With, we mail out many handkerchiefs and things across the world daily. And it, my expenses runs me about 75 to $100 a day. That's a year round at home. And so just enough that I have to stay on the field all the time. Somebody here some time ago offered me a great big offering of several thousand dollars. I refused to take it. I said, I don't need that. Just put it in foreign missions. And I, the Lord will supply for me just as the days go by. That's the way I want to live. Just for the day. I don't know about tomorrow. He takes care of that for me when tomorrow comes. But I just have the day to live for it. Now tonight, we're going to pray for every person that has a prayer card tonight. And then tomorrow afternoon, Mr. Rasmussen, a farmer... Uh, pastor of this city, a man that I have learned to love with real Christian love and respects, and I know all that knows Brother Rasmussen says the same. And he's speaking here each afternoon, and then tomorrow night, Billy says that people are not here so that they can give prayer cards to him to, uh, enough when he gets here. We don't want to interrupt with the other services. So tomorrow afternoon, prayer cards will be given out after 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon here in the auditorium and perhaps Sunday the closing also. Now, I hope if there's someone here that doesn't understand English why that someone sitting next to him will tell them tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock. I think that's when the services start, isn't it? 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. And the prayer cards will be given here at the afternoon service. But now when you get a card... Come back so you can be prayed for because tomorrow night they'll be called. And then we're going to try with the grace of God now, feeling that we found favor with him, to place these other nights in praying for the sick. Everybody, we got about two or three hundred prayer cards, they tell me, out here tonight. So we want to take our time and just speak to you just a short time in the Word. On we're going to speak on now, divine healing. How to accept it. Mr. Rasmussen will be giving lectures on that. How to accept your healing. And now, tonight, I wish to read for uh, just a little text found in St. Luke, the 19th chapter, in the 42nd verse. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith has saved thee. You notice that name there, the way that's written? Thy faith has saved thee. Now, the scholars here, I'm not. But when I find a word, I go back to my Greek to look it up. Now, that word in the Greek is sozo. So, the word saved for salvation is sozo. Same one for healing. Sozo. Means that they were physically saved or spiritually saved 
both word applies because it was by the same atonement, the same man on the same day. He was wounded for our transgressions with his stripes. We were healed. So, our scene opens tonight and just for a short time so we can have time to run the prayer line through. Our scene opens at the south gate of Jericho. And to the one that we're looking at is a beggar. He became quite middle-aged man or a little better. And let's just turn our thoughts to him for a few moments and learn by his action what we should do tonight when we come to the line. Now, it was in a day that when the the Jews were all under heavy taxation from the Roman government and times were very hard and there were many beggars in the city and in Jerusalem and all of Judea, many afflicted people who could not make their livelihood in the fields of working. They were lame, blind, lepers. Oh, such a scene. I wonder if there'd be anybody in here ever seen leprosy. Let's see your hands if there has been. I don't even see a hand that's ever seen leprosy. Well, I've hugged lepers in my arms. And I used to think that it was contagious. But it isn't. Leprosy is caused by an insufficient diet. And it is not contagious. I've had lepers with no hands, ears eat off. Just stand and hug them. And they'd weep down into Africa, into India, and in different places where they have so much leprosy. And I was watching a man one day when we was in Bombay. The American people had given me some money to give to the poor. And I just loved to do those things. And I'd change it into rupees. And I started out into the street to give it away to the beggars, the poor people. And they almost had to get the militia to get me back in again, just running over me. And all night, when they learned I had some money and was there in the Taj Motel, or hotel, that's at the gates of India, I could hear them hollering, Padra, Padra, all night. Now, it's not an Indian word. Padre really means father in Spanish. But Spanish is spoke quite a bit in there. And it was all night. I couldn't eat. I go to the window. I want to ask you Canadian people to see how grateful you are to God for your wonderful nation here. And there they were laying in the streets, little babies with their little bellies swelled up like that, dying, starved to death. Little mothers holding their little babies, their face and jaws all sunk in. Man coming down the streets, nothing but a loincloth on. Little old half-starved monkey following behind him. They laid on the street like cardwood. And when they would die over the night, they would pick them up, go down to a great salamander. No John 14 ceremony. Just dump them in. They don't know who they are or where they come from. They just died on the street. They're beggars and that's all. You don't know how to appreciate 
a real nation like you live in. That's right. You Canadians. And I think in the face of that, we ought to try to hold these nations by prayer, doing what we can to keep this the way it is. Oh, what a pitiful sight to see lepers and beggars. And I, to what I was trying to get at, there was a man running around there would take these rupees and throw them out the window to them. And when they did, they there was a fellow there that didn't have any arms. Lepers said, eat him off up on his arms. And it gets kind of white like warts and it just drops off your arms and what more. And I said to Billy, my boy, I said, how could that fellow ever pick up a rupee? So he went down and the watched him at the door. He went out, went down to another part of the hotel, got to throwing the, the rupees out down there for them. And as soon as they could get them, they'd take around the corner where they could get some curry. Now, a rupee is 24 cents. And it would, um, it would keep them for two or three days on 24 cents. It cost about three cents to get a little plate of curry. And what it was, sheep feet boiled up with the hair still on it and, and so forth. And little Ryle was terrible. Go through the street with your fingers on your nose. And then, then the slave markets where they took young women there. Just bring young, beautiful women up and auction them off like you would a cow or anything else. You don't know what it means to live in a nation that still has respect for God. And I, Billy got these fellows all down that way, all the rest of them. And I motioned to that man with no hands. And I throwed a rupee out. When they wasn't noticing, it circled to the ground. You know how he got it up? Licked it up with his tongue on that dirty, filthy street. And around the corner, he went screaming at the top of his voice to get him something to eat. And think, you raked out your garbage can tonight, enough to feed them. That's right. We're just not grateful enough. And in the day that we read of tonight, it was like scenes like that, that our Lord saw. And then a beggar in these special days when taxation and so forth was so high, when a man came out to go to his work, he could perhaps just afford one coin a day. And the first beggar that he come in contact with, well, that was the, the lucky one. He couldn't give maybe two coins a day. And there were hundreds of beggars. And let's imagine tonight that our character that we're speaking of, Barnabas, that he had been standing, it had been a bad morning. He hadn't been able to find anyone who could give him a coin. And it was a cold October morning. So his ragged coat he had wrapped around him, he just kind of shivered a little and fell his way back till he hit the wall. And he sat down by the side of the wall. And in the warm sun, as it began to warm him, he began to think, study. Do you like to do that? I do. Just get away to yourself somewhere. Sit down. Think it all over. And while he was sitting there thinking, he hears a little clipping of the hoofs coming down the street. Old cobblestone street that runs by there. It's been there for many, many years. And as this little clipping, he knew it was someone approaching. So he raised his up and he said, Please give to me a coin this morning. I am blind. And he almost staggers right into the little mule. 
And the one on the mule said, One side, beggar. I am on my road into the city, and I am the servant of the Lord. And there is coming a fanatic to this city today. And we must get with the council of the churches and stop this stuff before it ever gets into the city. And I'm on my road now to see that this is stopped. I have no time for a beggar, so step to one side. Find out he was a priest. And he said, O servant of the Lord, said the blind man, I would not interfere with you on your commission to God. I am sorry I stopped you. But what is this fanatic that's coming? Oh, it's that man who's the divine healer up there, the Galilean prophet, he calls himself. And he's on his road here, and I'm the head of the ministerial association, so I have to see that none of that stuff gets scattered in our city around here. So I'm on my way, one side beggar, and on he goes. Then he moves back over to the warm sunshine and sets down again. There he begins to get a new thought. A Galilean prophet is to come to this town, a healer. Well, then he begins to dream. You know, his mind goes back to many years previous to that, when he was a little black-headed Jewish boy used to play out on the hillsides of the Jordan River. And one of his greatest delights was to go in in the afternoon before his nap time and let his mother get him up in her arms. And how he used to look at those big, soft eyes of his mother as she stroked his little black hair back out of his eyes and begin to tell him Bible stories. You know, there's something about bringing up a child in the way that it should go. Teach it the right thing, and when it's old, it'll not depart from it. And he used to remember the stories that his mother told him of the great, mighty Jehovah, of how Jehovah used to blast forth his voice in a time of trial and change the situation. How that he used to love to hear especially that story of Elijah the prophet. And how that he, Elijah went in and laid his body upon the body of a little dead baby. And that prophet was so anointed until the little baby come to life again. Oh, that just thrilled his heart. And it thrills my heart. I can think of the story when this Shunammite woman had been kind to that man of God. She didn't do it to receive anything. But you just can't not help from receiving a reward when you're good to God's children. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if you shall give one of these little ones as much as a cup of water, you will in no wise lose your reward. So be kind to one another. If the meal barrels empty over to that house, take them something over there. Be kind. If the widow needs some coal, buy her some. 
God will bless you for it. And so, showing all the kindness this Shunammite woman had built a little side room for the prophet to lay in. And the prophet said, go see if she wants me to speak to the king for her. She said, no. She dwelt among her people and everything was all right. But Gehazi said she has no children. And Elijah blessed her, prayed for her, and she received the child. When it was about 12 years old, I think the little fellow must have had a sunstroke. He's out in the field with his daddy in time of harvest. And he began to scream, my head, my head. And a young man carried him to his mama. She set him on their lap. And at long about noon, he died. And now, aside from her text for a moment, I want you to watch the gallant faith of that woman. She tucked the little baby and laid him on Elijah's bed. That's a good place to put him. On the bed where the prophet had laid. Where a house, where home, where prayer has been made. That's the place to go. And she said to her servant, Saddle me one of those mules and don't you stop lest I bid you. And go straight to the prophet. Now she knew that if she could get to the prophet, she'd find out why her baby had died. Well, God don't always tell his prophets everything that he does. He just tells his prophets what he wants them to know. So, on the road over, Elijah looked out of his cave and he said, Here comes the Shunammite. And she's got sorrow in her heart. And... God has kept it from me. I don't know what's wrong with her. So when she got close, he said, Is all well with thee? All well with thy husband? Is all well with the baby? Now listen, mother. That woman with her baby laying dead in the room, she said, All is well. I love that. See? Elisha was God's representative on the earth at that time. And she knew if she could get to God's servant, she might. She wasn't thinking of her baby back. She had no idea of it. But she knew she would probably find out this man could ask God and God would talk to him and tell why they took the baby. And she said, all is well. And then she began to reveal to him what had happened. Now Elijah said, you take this staff and run before me and lay it on the baby. I said the other night, I believe that's where Paul got laying on handkerchiefs. Elisha knew that what he had touched was blessed. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. That's the reason we lay hands on the sick. Now, but what happened? The woman's faith was not in the staff, it was in the prophet. (laughs) So she said, as the Lord liveth and your soul liveth, I'll not leave you. So there wasn't but one thing for the prophet to do. That was gird up his loins, get started with her. I like that. Hang on to it. When you're satisfied, you're right. Stay with it. And she, the prophet went on, and the boy took the stick and laid it on the child, but no life. He met them coming back. Elijah walked into the room not knowing what to do. But he walked 
back and forth, up and down in the room, praying, and went and laid his body on that little dead baby, his lips against its lips and his nose against its nose, and the baby sneezed seven times and come to life. Oh, how little Barnabas loved that story. You like that story? The little blonde-headed girl sitting here? All right, that's a beautiful story. And that's what God is yet today. Do you believe that little boy sitting there? You do? That's good. All oh, them's nice stories, and they're the truth. And little Barnabas, how he loved that story. But oh, you know what? The preacher said that those days were all past. God didn't do that no more. But how wrong those priests were. God never changes. Just the same all the time. Never changes. He's still Almighty God. And if He can't do all things, then He's not Almighty God. And if He is Almighty God, He can do all things. So then, little Barnabas happened to think then of another story that he liked real well. And not over 500 yards from where he was sitting, one time the great Jordan in the month of April, when the Judean hills, the snow had melted, all the fields were flooded with water. The greatest time, the floods. The great angry muddy waves are rolling down from the mountains of Judea down through the plains. And the Jordan had swelled way out. And it was many times its size. But just at that time, Israel arrived on the other side. You see, God gave them a promise on this side. They were on their road to claim that promise. And everything that stands in the way of God's promise has to give away. No matter whether it's a worst time or the worst kind of sickness or how muddy black it looks, everything gives away to God's promise. Certainly. And how he loved to hear his mother tell how the lightning roared in that big Jordan way back and held her peace until two million Israelites crossed over on foot. Oh, that made his little heart. He'd almost go to sleep and he'd shake his head and say, Mama, tell me another story. Then he remembered too that not standing 150 yards from where he was sitting, a great thing happened. And right not 20 yards from where he was sitting, down that same road, over those same old cobblestones. About 400 years previous to that, the great mighty prophet Elijah and Elisha come down that road arm in arm, going towards Jordan to make her open again. Why? When it open again, God's the same. And so he thought, oh, if I could have only lived in those days. If I could just be sitting here blind. Then he scratched his hands and said, what am I thinking these things? Since that priest said about that Galilean prophet. But I'm somehow or another, I begin to 
think different. I haven't thought those stories for years. Something was fixing to happen. And when something in you begins to desire and seek out for God, something's fixing to happen. God knows how to get everything set up for His drama. Then we notice that as he began to think, if I would have been sitting here, when Elisha, God usually has just one major prophet at a time, and Elisha was going down to the river to put his mantle, his coat, up on Elisha, and he was become prophet because Elijah was going up. And as they walked down by that gate side by side, he said, if I could have only lived in that day, I would have rose up from this place where I'm sitting. And I'd have rushed out into the street and said, Oh, prophets of God, lay your hands on me. And I believe if you'll pray for me, God will restore my sight. But alas, the days of miracles has passed to him. The priest told him there was no such a thing as that happened anymore. Elijah had been gone for years, and Elisha had been dead for years. And all Jehovah forgot the people, but he doesn't forget the people. He still remembers. Then he remembered just out from that gate, that great Joshua had marched Israel right over those same cobblestones, right around the walls of Jericho. And all of Jericho was shut up. Although they had the Israelite outnumbered many times, but the fear of the Lord went before them. Amen. They held their peace. One day when the great Joshua, not very far from that same wall, was strolling along one afternoon, and he looked standing there on the side of a little bank. There stood a warrior with his sword pulled. Joshua pulled his sword, and he ran to meet him. He said, are you for us? Are you for our enemy? And the stranger waved the sword in the air, said, nay, but I am the captain of the host of the Lord. The mighty Joshua threw down his sword, took off his helmet and ran and fell at his feet. Little did blind Barnabas know that less than 200 yards from there stood that same captain of the host of the Lord. And if the people in this exhibition room tonight here would only realize that that same captain of the host of the Lord stands here tonight. But they've been told that those days were gone. After a while, his dream is erupted. Some little children run by and say, Did you get the scene? Did you get the scene? They were wondering what it was all about. Here come some ladies. And they were talking, Oh, oh, wasn't it wonderful? And Barnabas began to ask, What's going on? Just around the corner, he heard a lot of noise. You know, somehow or another, where Jesus is, there's usually a little noise going on. In the Old Testament, the only way that they could tell the high priest was alive, when he went behind the holiest of holies, he might have been slain by the Lord. But he had a garment, and at the end of the garment, he had a pomegranate and a bell. 
a pomegranate and a bell. And when he had to walk a certain way, and a man that wears the robe of God has a certain walk, he has to walk. And as he walked, them bells played holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. Holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. And the only way the congregation could tell whether he was alive or not, they could hear a noise. I sometimes wonder when I go in some of these old cold morgues called churches, <laughs> icicles hanging down, spiritually speaking, the thermometer 40 below zero. I just wonder if there's anything in there alive. It is like my little brother, I caught a snapping turtle and I cut his head off. And anyone knows the snapping turtle just keeps on snapping if his head is cut off. And he was laying up on the bank and my little brother come along. He said, why'd you catch Billy? I said, I, I got a turtle. He said, is that him? He said, yeah, where's his head? I said, laying up there on the bank. And he went up there and he started to take a stick to turn it over and he snapped the stick. He said, hey, I thought you said he was dead. Well, I said, I separate his head from his body. He should be dead. He scratched his head. He said, he's just dead and don't know it. <laughs> and that's just a whole lot of good theology in that. <laughs> oh, brother, when Christ comes, he brings life abundantly. Said if they hold their peace, the rocks will immediately cry out when he was coming to Jerusalem. And we find out a noise was around the bend. He said, what's all the noise about? See, he had been thinking on those things. It had to happen. Have you been thinking on those things for tonight? If you have, it's going to happen. This has got to. You draw nigh unto God, he'll draw nigh unto you. And then, what took place? After a while, here come a bunch of people singing, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed is this Galilean prophet, for he makes the blind to see and the deaf to hear. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Then behind that come the critics, them priests and religionists of that day, saying, Shh, shut up! Hold your peace! There's nothing to that guy. Listen at it. Once in a while something smashes against the wall. It's an overripe tomato or something. Throwing at him. Oh, if he could have only seen walking right down through that street. A little man, not too big. No beauty we should desire. Graying in his hair. Walking slowly. Not paying any attention. And there was that priest saying, Say, you holy roller. You that said you raised Lazarus from the dead. We got a whole graveyard full of them up here. Come raise them. Let us see you do it. You know, them kind of spirits never died. They still live. And the other one does too, thank God. Hey, you've done miracles up in another place. Let's see you perform a miracle here. We'll believe you, you hypocrite. We know that the days of miracles is past. Barnabas got all confused. He said, what is this anyhow? People just climbing over the top of him. After a while... A gentle little lady said, Oh, beggar, I'm sorry that they've walked over you. What was you asking, sir? Said, Who is it that passes by that's causing all this commotion? One one way and one another. You know, when Jesus is around, it usually produces that kind of a crowd. One for him, one against him. One says the devil, another says it's God. And it hasn't changed. 
And so he said, there's something taking place and I don't understand what it is. And she said, uh, why, sir, have you never learned of Jesus of Nazareth? No, I don't believe I ever heard of him. Well, he's a great prophet out of Galilee. Oh, you should see him. Why, a woman just touched his garment here a few weeks ago. And he turned around and told her what her trouble was. And there was a, a little man just on the other side of this wall, climbed up in a sycamore tree this morning to see him. And his wife told him all about these things. And he said, oh, there's no such a thing as that. Them things don't happen. If that man does that, he's a devil. So Zacchaeus climbed up in a sycamore tree and pulled the limbs all around him so nobody would see him. He said, I'll stand here because I'm a great member of the church and I'll take this little leaf and raise it up here and he'll never see me. And when he passes under this tree, I'll get a good look at him and I'll tell the priest all about what I think of him. So when Jesus come around the corner and got under the tree, he stopped. Zacchaeus said, now I wonder what he's going to do. He looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down from there. I'm going home with you today for dinner. Not only he thought he was hid, but Christ knowed him and knowed his conditions and knowed what his name was. He hasn't changed. He's still the same Jesus. Oh, she began to tell him, he said, well, isn't that the son of David that's been promised? Yes, that was enough to set his soul afire. It was his first opportunity. We've had many opportunities through this last week. But that was his first opportunity to ever come in contact with Jesus. And he raised up. Now the street runs just about the distance of the end of this arena here from the wall. And thousands of people swarming around him, some hollering and screaming and others praising him. And he screamed, Oh, Jesus Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now, Jesus could not have heard his voice. It's too far back if you'd ever there to look and see where it happened. And another thing with all that howling mob, he couldn't hurt it. But what was it? Jesus stopped and stood still. And he turned around. It wasn't his voice that stopped him. It was his faith that stopped him. An insignificant beggar trying to be pushed back. Jesus stopped and said, What would you that I would do for you? He said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. He said, Receive your sight, for thy faith has saved thee. And as they go on down the street, I can see old blind Barnabas standing there looking for his fingers. He said, He told me, I'll take his word, I believe it. And the mob went on after a while, he began to see his fingers, and he began to follow the Lord rejoicing because he had received his sight. Some time ago, I read a little story. It may be fiction and it may not, about blind Barnabas. They say that he sat by the Jericho gates. He was a married man, had a wife. And a little girl, and this little girl at the time of his healing was perhaps about ten years old, little curly-headed girl, just chubby enough to be lovable. And he had never seen the little child because he had been blind many years. 
And they say he had two little turtle doves. And they would do little enchantments. Turn over each other, little tumbles. So that it would attract the attention of the tourists. If he didn't have something to entertain the tourists, like it is in India and different places. There's a little monkey or something. The monkey gets a stick and beats the man and attracts attention so he can beg. And blind Barnabas' little pigeons turned over each other so that it would attract attention to watch the accuracy of those little doves or little doves making a little flip jump over on their feet again. And one night, his wife got sick and the physician could not do anything for her. And he felt his way out along the side of the house and he said, Oh, Jehovah, if you will be merciful and spare the life of my wife, I'll give you my two turtle doves. And his wife got well. So he goes and offers the turtle doves for an offering. Sometime later, he had a lamb. And in those days, the lamb led the man, just like a, the blind man, like the dog leads the blind man today. And, but lambs did it then. They trained the lambs to lead the man. And bar, blind Barnabas, how he got back home of the evening was hook his lamb on his hand and the lamb would go home and he would lead his way, lead him back to his home. And his little girl got sick and she had an awful fever and the doctor came and said, well, Barnabas, I don't think there's anything that I can do for her. She kept getting worse. So he went out into the night again, knelt down on his knees and he said, God, if you'll heal my little girl, I'll give you my lamb. And the little girl's fever left. And the next day he was on his road up to sacrifice his lamb. And the priest come out. And he said, where goest thou, blind Barnabas? He said, oh, priest of God, I go up to the temple to offer my lamb for a sacrifice. Said, I promised God that I would do it. Oh, he said, blind Barnabas, you can't offer that lamb. I'll give you some money and you go buy a lamb at the exchange and take a lamb and offer it. I'll give you the money. He said, thank you kindly, priest of God. But I never promised God a lamb. I promised God this lamb. Oh, my. There's a lesson in that. He said, you can't give that lamb Barnabas. That lamb is your eyes. He said, but oh, priest of God, if I'll keep my promise to God, God will provide a lamb for Barnabas' eyes. Amen. That day when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth passed by, Watch faith go into action. He grabs his robe and throws it sideways for God had provided a lamb for blind Barnabas' eyes. God's provided lamb. And that same lamb's provided tonight for you, sir, on that cot. That lamb's provided for you there in them wheelchairs. That lamb's provided for you with heart trouble. That lamb's provided for you with cancer. He is the same lamb yesterday, today, and forever. And he's been the one that's led you here tonight for this great service just ready to take forth now. And if you are a sinner 
and don't know Him in the forgiveness of your sins, He's a Lamb provided to take away every blot off of your sinful life. Let us bow our heads just a moment now while we think on these things. And if the pianist or organist will give us just a little note, please. Just before prayer now, I wonder if someone in here who doesn't know this great, marvelous, meek Lamb of God would say, God, I want to know that Lamb for the forgiveness of my sins. My soul is spotted. I've made a profession, or maybe you have or have not, but I'll say but this, I'd like to accept Him tonight as a Lamb for my soul while I hold up my hand. Would you do it? Someone will be remembering prayer. God bless you here, lady. God bless you, sir, this man sitting here. Someone else would like for that lamb to lead you to the fountain. God bless you back there, sister. Anyone else on the bottom floor yet? God bless you, my brother over there. That's the way believe. If ye believe, God will supply everything you have need of. Is there another to the balcony? Is to my right? Would raise your hand and say, God, be merciful to me. Let the Lamb of God lead me to the fountains of the life, of water of life tonight. I am thirsty for Christ. I would love to, for Him to lead me. Would you do it? You're blind if you're a sinner. You don't know where you're going, man. If you're a church member, you're still blinded. You're blind by the creed of man. Is there another on to the right here, to the rear? The balconies to the rear. Quickly, balconies to my left here would raise your hand. It's just a little thing to do, but you, by your uplifted hand, you'd say, I, I now want, God bless you up there. That's, that's good. Someone else on the bottom floor now it hasn't raised their hand. God bless you back there, sir. God bless you. Whole group of you back there. God be with you. Over here to the right. God be with you. May He lead you tonight to Calvary where there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. When sinners plunge beneath the flood lose all their guilty stains. I'm just watching the moving of some of the Spirit as it's moving in the building. I'm just taking my time. Just letting it really soak in. Do you really, really mean that you love Him? All right. I just seen some hands going up and I was watching something take place. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, May the Lamb of God come quickly now. Lead each of these who raise their hands to that fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Oh, and I can see him coming around the wall there at Jericho. His face set towards Calvary, going right on up to Jerusalem to be offered up into the hands of sinful man 
for a sacrifice to be a propitiation for our sins and sickness. And that howling mob, and yet with the the sins of the world bearing upon him and him being God Emmanuel, he certainly felt the load that was just before him. Dark Gethsemane was before him. The mock trial was before him. He knew all of this. His precious heart was beating high. But to think that he wasn't too busy, neither was he too heavy burdened for what he could stop and have mercy on a blind beggar. You're not too busy tonight, Lord, but what you'll have mercy upon these who raise their hands. Take them to the fountain of water, of the waters of life freely, and may they drink. Thou hast said in thy word that he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has eternal life and shall never perish but pass from death to life. I present them to you now, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ, as love gifts of the message. Amen. Let's just sing a little hymn now. This is worship. We had to cut just a little short, but this is a worship. Now let's get real quiet and sing, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. This worship as you sing. Oh, I just love this song. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that blood. Christian, you that raised your hand just a few moments ago, I want you to promise me something. There's many pastors here in the church, and I want you to get with some of them. Some pastor promised that to God. Now you're a Christian now. God's word is eternally right. He that heareth my word, believeth on him that sent me, has eternal life. And there's only one type of eternal life. And God alone has eternal life. Is that right? And He gives it to you. But what? He that heareth my words and believeth on Him that sent me has eternal life. That's without end. And shall never come to the judgment, but hath passed from death unto life. Now find you a good church home. Quickly be baptized and move into that church, you and your family, and live peacefully with God 
If I never meet you again this side of the river, I'll meet you on the other side. The Lord bless you. Maybe if we have time after the prayer cards are given and we're praying for the sick tonight, that you'll, you can come up around the altar and stand here a little while so the pastors or the city can see who you are. I let a 50,000 converts go here not long ago. I don't know what happened. In a certain nation that I was in, someone just set up the meetings. We didn't have any cooperation. They just set up the meeting and thousands poured into that country. And there was no church home to take them to. I don't know what happened. I thought every church in the country was cooperating. But just a minister or a man, just a lawyer, just set up the meeting and said, Come on. And I just flew in there and started. We had five nights and 5,000 each night or more come to Christ. And I don't know what happened. Where they went to church home. I'm uh, learning a little better than that now. Every, every person that's saved ought to have a church home. They ought to be in church and there every, every time that church has a service or every time you pass it, go in and open the doors and go in and pray or do something. Love the Lord. It was a, today where I live, there was a, some people that had to leave. <clears throat> There happened to be a very good Norwegian friend of mine who's sitting here. He's my secretary for the Norwegian people and has been since I was in Norway. And he's done all the translation, not one cent for or anything. He was sitting in the room, he and his lovely little wife, and a vision began to move. And someone knocked at the door, and we went in, and while we were in the room, there were three sick people in there very sick. The Holy Spirit come down and moved into the room and told each of them all their troubles, healed them. Then, just a few minutes later, I run into two ladies who are sitting right before me now. And it's been said, oh, well, he just reads their minds, or in some way he, it's a trick he has, he does. So these ladies had heard this, Standing right there in the presence of Almighty God, God came right down with the vision and just told all about it. Standing right there before him, the troubles. I could ask that lady to raise her hand if you'd like for her to see. Would you like to see the lady? If you would, raise your hand. If you'd like to see the lady. All right, lady. This. Where was you from? Dawson Creek. Never seen her in order over my life. I believe this is the other lady sitting here, a Ukrainian lady. Is that right? Isn't that the lady right here? Raise up your hand so the people can see. While the vision here at the platform is, is a miniature to what it is outside, out in other places. Now, just, we got about five minutes. I want to tell you what happens. Being that I'm trying to have the prayer line, get away from it as much as I can so that we can pray for the sick. But however... The Holy Spirit is right here now. The angel of the Lord is right here present now. Let me say this before I go any farther. If the Holy Spirit will come and will reveal in this audience and heal people from right here, just use my lips as you've seen it done, as he does it through his gift, and will tell the people in this audience, just like he did when he was here on earth, how many will it make have the courage and confidence that's going to come through the line. So that you know we're, the Holy Spirit is here. This is not a night just when we're just going to drop through here. The anointing of the Holy Ghost is right here now. Amen. Now, 
you in the audience, somebody that doesn't have a prayer card, start believing. And if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, if he, if that blind beggar, listen, I want to ask you something. Healing the sick never did prove his Messiah sign. No, sir. What was the Messiah sign? What did they know him by? Take the Jewish nation. What did they know him by? When Nathaniel came with Philip and Jesus looked at him and said, Behold an Israelite in whom there's no guile. He said, When did you know me, Rabbi? Otherwise you never saw me. How'd you know me? He said, When Philip called you when you were under the tree, I saw you. He said, Thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. How many knows that's true in St. John, the first chapter? To the Jewish nation, that was a sign of the Messiah. Now to the Gentile, to the uh, Samaritan nation. Ham, Sham, and Jephthah's people. Japheth's people, rather. Now, when he went to the Samaritan, there was a woman came out. A man, this was a woman. And this woman came out. She was probably the distance of how long there, somewhere from him. She is at the well, and he's sitting on the little seat that sits under the grape arbor here. And he said, bring me a drink to the woman. She said, it's not customary for you Jews to ask Samaritans such, like a colored woman or to a white man or something like that. He said, but if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink. She said, well, the well's deep. You have nothing to draw with. They went ahead and carried a long conversation. After a while, Jesus said, go get your husband and come here. She said, I don't have any husband. Said, you've got five. Now she said, sir, now listen, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. But we know, we Samaritans know, that when the Messiah cometh, he'll tell us all things. But she couldn't understand who he was. He said, I'm he that speaks to you. And she dropped her water pot and ran into the city and said, come see a man who told me what she had done. Said, isn't this the very Messiah? That was a sign of Messiah to both Jew and Samaritan. What do you think it would be to the Gentile if he's the same yesterday day and forever? This is the day when the Gentile day is. God's taking the people out. How many people here it's sick that doesn't have a prayer card? Right along here, raise up your hand. Somewhere close that doesn't have a prayer card. Raise up your hands. All right. You can put your hands down. If Christ will do the, the same thing, Eucharist, here's some colored people sitting here. They're just about the same scene. Here's a colored woman sitting here on the end. Now, lady, you know I don't know you. I've never seen you. Now, here is a good example of Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I don't know whether he will or not. The only thing that I'm just see you sitting there is because that you're a colored woman, me a white man. Now, that's about like it was between the Jew and the Samaritan. Now, in the South, way down in the South, there's a racial segregation. But Jesus let them know right quick there's no difference in the color of a person's being. My, we're all from one tree, and that's Adam. 
And that's exactly right. The country we lived in, it turned our skin yellow, brown, black, whatever it was. That has nothing to do with it. We're God's creatures, every one of us. Jesus let her know that. Might have been a lovely, nice-looking woman standing at the well there. But then, just that you being a colored woman, Mia, man, are you desiring something from God? You're desiring something from God? All right, that's good. Do you believe me then to be his servant? If God will reveal to me what your trouble is, will you accept then and believe that it's all right? You'll know it. it's the same Christ that talked to the woman at the well. Now here's the same picture again. I don't say God will do it because the light's not around the woman. But if he does, how many say I could truly believe it? it was Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever? Or if we're strangers to each other, lady, raise your hand up, the colored lady I'm talking to, all right? She's got a white glove on her hand. Now, if he does, all right, if he doesn't, I do not know. I just have to see that. Now, there it is by the lady. I just catch her spirit as we're talking to each other. The woman's suffering with the lady's trouble, a female trouble. If that's right, raise up your hand, lady. Now you don't have it. You're healed. You can go on your road home. Amen. There it goes right over on this man sitting right here in the road. That stirred faith to you. And just as I looked at you, something struck you. If that's right, wave your hand, sir, the colored man. If God will reveal to me, my brother, what your trouble is, will you believe God? You got bad blood. If that's right, wave your hand. That's right. How you may go home and be well. Your faith makes you well. See, he's the same. He doesn't fail. If you can believe, all things are possible. Here sits an elderly man. There's that light hanging right over him. He's sitting, turning his head sideways, looking at me. Right here, he's kind of partially bald on top, gray around the side. Do you believe, sir, if Jesus Christ could reveal to me what your trouble is? You do? Then you wouldn't have to take insulin. The diabetes would leave you. You believe God would do it? You believe it heal you? Raise up your hand to him then. All right, you can go home and be well. What about the lady sitting right behind him there? See, just move right back to the lady right behind him. You're sick too, aren't you, lady? You got high blood pressure. Isn't that right? It's true. I don't know you do it. Never seen you in my life. Besides that, you got varicose veins. If that's right, raise up your hand. You also have arthritis. I see you trying to move along the side of a street or something, walking real slow, taking your time, especially when you get up in the morning. If that's right, raise up your hand. You're a wonderful person. Mrs. Spears, do you believe that God would heal you? You believe he would? That's your name. All right. Now go home and be well in Christ's name. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you believe it? Let's give God praise like this then. Just saying, blessed be the Lord. Oh, he's so real. Friends, don't let this day pass by you. I, I, I don't think this is personal. Don't pay attention to me. I'm a sinner saved by grace. But God's done something for the world and they can't see it. See? Did you realize the priest that burnt Joan of Arc to the stake as a witch because the voice of God talked to her. 
Later, the Catholic Church dug up their bodies and throwed them into the river when they canonized Jonah Ark as a saint. The testament's not enforced until the testator's dead. They never knew Jesus truly to be the Son of God till after his resurrection. Sure. They never appreciate Elijah till it was all over. These things come into our midst, friends, and it's over. They look at St. Francis of Assisi. See? They don't know these things. John the Baptist didn't know not who he was until it was over. Christ is visiting the Gentile church. It's the evening lights. It's a shining now. The prophet said, in the evening time, it'll be light. Now, this is the hour. This is the time. And if you'll just take that little, some kind of a little something that wants to make you kind of halfway believe it and halfway doubt it, brush that thing aside and come now. It's Christ. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many believes that? Now, that anointing coming down, I, I want to, if you start a prayer line like that, it would stop everyone and come through, see. Now, we want to sing a song or something before we call the prayer line so that I can get the people up here and just pray for them because I couldn't pray for over eight or ten that packed me out of here. How many understands that through the Scripture? How many knows that poets, prophets, and spiritual people is always considered neurotic or something wrong with them? <laughs> sure they are. How many ever heard of Stephen Foster? Let's see your hands. He gave America its greatest folk songs. He wrote, Old Black Joe, Old Folks at Home, Way Down Upon the Swanee River, My Old Kentucky Home, and that man was considered erotic. He'd get any inspiration, he'd go somewhere and write a song, then come back and get on a drum. He had it in the head, but not the heart. Finally, he called a servant and took a razor and committed suicide. Coming out from under that inspiration. It's all right when you're in there, but it's when you're coming out. How many of you heard of William Kepper? Kepper, is that it? Kepper. He's an English poet. He wrote this famous song, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins when sinners plunge beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains. How many of you ever heard that song? I stood by the grave in London, England, of William Kepper. And when he... When he wrote that song, he went up into the inspiration. He was considered neurotic. And when he, that inspiration left him, he was down at the river trying to find a place to commit suicide, to drown in the river. It's too foggy, or he'd have gotten the river and drowned him. See, when you're up there, it's wonderful, but it's when you're coming out. Look at Jonah the prophet. Went out with a message of God and prophesied to the city about the size of St. Louis, Missouri. To people who had no right and left hand. And his message was so forceful until they put sackcloth on their animals. And then when the Spirit left him, he was so depleted till he sat under a little tree and got angry and, and wanted God to strike him dead because a little cutworm cut the gourd tree down. Is that right? Look at Elijah the prophet. Under the inspiration stood there and called fire out of heaven. Called water out of heaven the same day. And kill 400 priests and run at a threat of a woman. Run out into the desert and was out there 40 days and nights wandering around. The angel woke him up when he was asleep and fed him twice for that long journey. He was wandering in the desert, not knowing where he was. And when God found him, he had been pulled way back in a cave. How many knows that? See? Oh, if we could just get the spiritual sign. Friends, I love to hear people shout. I love to hear people praise the Lord. But that's not spiritual yet. I've seen people shout and dance and praise the Lord and know more about spiritual things than a hot and tot note about Egyptian night. That's right. 
They come up on the platform just running around and around, screaming and carrying on. That's emotion. Emotion's all right. But, brother, when you come right down to the fact of it, that's not spirit. That's joy. But spirit is spiritually discerned. See? It's spirit. Now, please understand that Jesus Christ, God's Son, is appearing not because He has to, but because He promised He would do it. It's to fulfill His Word through the Gentile people, and you can see just about the way they're receiving it across the world. See? The day is finishing. The sun is setting. It'll be over soon. Let us enjoy the blessings of the Lord. Someday you who are Christians are going to a place where you'll never have to be old, never have to be sick, never have to be, never die. How many knows that? Amen. That's right. God will raise it up. Here the other day I was combing what few hairs I got left. My wife sitting back there, she said, Billy, you're getting bald-headed. Why, well, I said, honey, I haven't lost one of them. She said, tell me where they're at. I said, you tell me where they was before I got them. I'll tell you where they are waiting for me to come to them. Right. Oh, yes. I, they wasn't one time, then they was, then not. Wherever they, wherever they come from, they're in the hands of Almighty God. Someday, why is I asked the doctor not long ago, when I was 16 years old, every time I eat, every time you eat, you renew your life. And when I was 16, every time I eat, I got bigger and stronger. Then after about 25, no matter how much you eat, you get older and weaker. You're pouring water into a glass out of a jug, and it just keeps getting fuller until it gets about half full. And no matter how much you pour, it goes down all the time. Scientifically prove that to me. <laughs> because it's appointment of God. God gets you up there just how when you married mother, you remember how she looked? That beautiful eyes. Remember how dad, that black wavy hair, and one morning you woke up and said, Mother, there's a wrinkle coming under those pretty eyes. She said, Yes, dad, and there's some gray coming into that black too. What is it? Death set in. It keeps pushing in the corner, one to another. It'll get you after a while. Don't you worry. But it can't hurt you. In the resurrection, everything that ever... Every represented death will be done away, and you and mother will be young there forever in the very prime of life. I can prove it by God's Bible. It's a promise. So what makes you long? What makes you long for health? What makes you long for perfection? Is because there, you, you in this life are the negative. If this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, we have one already waiting. So it's that when it's oppressing this negative, groaning in the spirit, to be clothed upon with immortality. That's the reason. That's what takes place. See, it's, there's got to be a deep calling to the deep before there can be a deep to respond. And that's that body sitting under waiting for this to leave here, to say goodbye here, good morning there. And this old, frail, wrinkled up, sin-cared body will drop into the dust and you'll receive a new one. <laughs> oh, that'll make a Baptist shout. <laughs> it should to think that. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, then you can look death in the face. You can look weary in the face. You can look anything. Amen. Say, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Amen. God made the promise, He that heareth my words and believeth on Him and sent me has everlasting life. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I'll raise him up at the last days. Why, sure. God promised it. It's a promise. It cannot fail. God swore by an oath He would do it. 
Amen. That settles it. If God may be what I am without having a choice, how much more can He, can he make me a, a different person by taking a choice when the Holy Ghost makes love to me, I make love back to the Holy Ghost. And He who took me out of the bosom of the earth, you come out of the earth. When this earth wasn't nothing but just a volcanic eruption, your body was laying there then. You're made out of 16 elements of the earth. Potash, calcium, cosmic-like petroleum, so forth. And if that come out of the earth, who brought it from the earth? God did. That's true. And because you live today physically, something had to die. If you eat fish, the fish died. If you eat meat, the cow died. If you eat bread, the wheat died. If you eat potatoes, it died. You live by dead substance. That's correct. And if you have to live physically by dead substance, you live eternally because something died. Jesus Christ. That you might be made alive and live forever. When His Spirit moves to your spirit and said, Child of mine, come. You say, Yes, Lord, here I am. He gives you eternal life with a promise. He'll raise you up at the last day. Amen. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I'm trusting in His love divine. Every promise in the book is mine. Amen. Say, what are you doing, Brother Branham? Just getting away from that anointing and seeing those, those visions. That's what I was talking about. Now we're ready for the prayer line. All right? Billy, where are you at? What was that? What? C, D, E, and F. That's 400 prayer cards. Call them one at a time. All right? Where did we li- what was the first number? C? All right. I believe that was the first night where we call from ones or ones. And I'm going to do all the praying. This whole church is going to be praying for you. How many is not going to be called tonight is going to be praying for them? Raise your hands. Let's see. See? Let's look at the people's interested in you, you sick people. It's a finished work. Do you feel like that the presence of the Lord is here to heal the sick tonight? I do. I do. I feel that God is going to heal the sick tonight. All right. C, D, E. Prayer cards, E. Take the next stand. Prayer cards E, the ushers line them up according to the numbers. Prayer cards C, D, and E. All right, we'll get them lined up. C, D, and E. They'll go right along the sides there. At All right, everyone, Reverend. Now, Lord Jesus, here's a woman, deaf and dumb. Your word said when the deaf and dumb spirit went out of the person, they could speak and hear. I don't know. You haven't showed me how long she's been this way, probably all of her life. But I pointed to this picture of the angel of the Lord. She nodded her head that she believed it. Now, Lord, with my hands on her body and the bowed head of these reverent men standing on the platform and these hundreds in the building, we ask that this deaf spirit go from the woman that she can both speak and hear. Now, Father, if you, if we found grace in your sight and our love in our heart is right, forgive us if it's not. And let this woman speak that it might cause these people to have more faith who's coming through the line. If you'll just do this for us, we'll be grateful to you, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. I every head bowed, every eye closed. Hear me? Hear me? Mama. Amen.
All right, you can raise your head. She can both speak in here. Watch here. Amen. Amen. You're healed. Go on your rotary child. Let's say praise the Lord, everybody now. That's the way. Now, now we are just thanking our Heavenly Father, you see. We don't have to ask for those things, see. That's not right to do that. We're to pray for the sick. All right. You good? You good? She's here. Yeah, she, uh, whirling in her head. Amen. <laughs> praise the Lord. Now, now, we all of you believe everywhere now? Now, we'll just start praying right for the sick. And now, you pray with me. Now, it's your prayer. That's a doing it. Hear this now? Getting this in here? Oh, good. In here? Yeah, fine. <laughs> she said your motion to me in her ears that she can hear this microphone now. Oh, isn't he wonderful? Amen. The same Jesus that knows the secrets of the heart? Yes. That was just a gift in operation. Here is Christ in operation, healing the sick, see? Amen. He does it. Now, who can make the deaf to hear or the dumb to speak? Now, if she'd been in the other line, it would have told her how long she'd been that way or what had happened. Any of you all know there how long she'd been that way? Anybody know? What say? All her life, this lady said, she's been deaf and dumb. And here she can both speak and hear. Now, look, lady, she can't understand too much now. But look, she's going to have to be like a baby. You're going to have to teach her, just like a baby. Get her to say, and I see what happened. It's just like this, her ears. Like um, the nerve in her ears. It gone dead. The doctor says it's a dead nerve. Her vocal the same way. What made it go dead? It's not dead all over her body. Just dead there. What is it? It's a spirit. If he can't find if there's a transparent band on my hand cutting off circulation, the doctor couldn't see it. The only thing he'd say, Well, the nerves just died from here out. If he can't see what's it doing him. Now all the salve in the world will never heal this. They'd have to amputate the hand here. But now look. If life will come back into this nature, if you can't see it, it's got to be supernatural. Well, then when that band is lifted, the hand's got feelings in it. Of course, it, nature has to take its place. There's operation again. Well, that's what's happened to the lady. Well, she, she said she can feel it. I go into her. You should stand here and look what we are looking at. All right, that's wonderful. Now, this teacher to, to talk, to sing, get her to sing, she'll be all right now. God bless him. Congregation, that's been any more reverent and holding on and waiting as you people have. I truly believe with all my heart that there'll be people here that was we couldn't spend but just a moment or two of time with them to pray. But such a vibration of faith that they had. I believe you'll see people here tomorrow night. Especially, I seen a little boy there that was all crippled up. Polio had oh, he's in awful shape. But somehow or another, when I looked in the little lad's eyes, I, I just believe that God healed him. I, I, I just believe he did it. And we're going to ask every one of them, every one that's on crutches or sticks or clubs or braces that's here tonight, I want you to go home believing with all your heart. Wake up in the morning, leave your old crutch and things alone, come up here tomorrow night and hold it up here just before the meeting starts when the minister says, says, I was walking on this last night. I want the people to see that their prayers meant something for you. How many is going to be looking forward to that tomorrow night? Raise your hand. You're very lovely. Thank you, and I know only heaven will reveal. I remember, it wasn't my prayers altogether, it's your prayers. There's a lady sitting there right there that had a mental deficiency. 
I really believe that that woman's going to be all right. I've seen a woman taken from a mental institution, been in there for about 10 years, a colored woman the other day. She was in the, the prayer line, her sister, and prayed for her and through a vision. And the very next day, that woman was dismissed from the hospital and sent home, an armor well woman. She just come to herself. Oh, it was wonderful. Now, let us stand, if you will. May I ask God to bless each one of you for your reverence. That's somebody's mother, papa, somebody's little boy that you prayed for. God bless you. Now, while we bow our heads, I'm going to ask the Brother Rasmussen here if he'll dismiss the audience. God's blessings be with you. My prayer. Just a moment. Won't we pray for the handkerchiefs? Father God, I pray that you'll heal each one of these that the handkerchiefs represent. I pray that they'll be made normal and well through Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, tomorrow afternoon, 2 o'clock, prayer cards will be given out, and tomorrow night, a discernment line. Check those over that it, it couldn't hear something, so if they couldn't put them in the line for tomorrow, they boy give the card.